0: Well, good morning one more time, 11 a.m. Y'all feeling good today? It's great to see you in the house of the Lord today. Listen, I want to do one thing again, just welcome those who are worshiping with us online, on YouTube, on Facebook, and even those who will watch this later. We're thankful that you decided to take this time with us, and we're thankful that we have this opportunity to join together as a body of believers. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of y'all just just felt a little something different when you had that choir up here today? Come on, it's all right to celebrate. I had not seen a choir in a while. Now, I'm excited about that because even as God ushers us into different moments, there are times where we need to just pull back all the wrappings. A lot of times when we come into church, you know, we can kind of hide behind the lights and the loud music and the drums and all the different instruments. But there are times when God just wants to hear your voice. There are times when he just really wants to connect with us this way. So I'm excited that we can just come in this moment and really just touch God with our voices and with our hearts. So, as we're getting ready to even continue this series, let me say a few things. Now, I've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, and if you are new here, we are actually in a series called Emancipating Greatness. Emancipating Greatness. Can you say that with me? Emancipating Greatness. One more time Emancipating Greatness. Now, what we have been doing is we have been talking about this subject where last year, Pastor Johnson received the word from the Lord of just like, okay, what are we going to go into for 2021? And the Lord spoke those two words to him, which he said, well, that was very weird because those are not words he uses. And as we started to talk about that, what I really am excited about is that these two words actually measure the things that I'm really about as a pastor, as a person. It's about really unearthing the potential that's on the inside of us. But what I'm more excited about, and I've been saying this the last several weeks, and I want you to hear me clearly because you'll probably hear me say this about 100 more times this year, is that emancipating greatness is not a sermon series, but it's a journey. Emancipating greatness is not a sermon series, it's a journey. So what I mean by that is while this is week three of this series, a lot of times we'll kind of just go through a couple weeks and have a series, we'll take some notes and then we'll put those things over to the wayside. But what I'm excited about is that even though this is week three in this particular series, this is actually week three of a 52 week journey that we're going on together as a body of believers. And what I mean by that, you've, some of you have heard me say this in different services. What I'm actually asking you is that will you commit to give God one year? Commit to giving God one year. Now, some of y'all are like, I've committed to giving God more than that. What do you mean? What I mean by that is committing to giving God one year where you just say, give me this day my daily bread. And I take one step at a time just following him in obedience. Because what I believe that will do if we can kind of put off all the noise and actually put off all the distractions and we can just say, I want to take this step by step, moment by moment. Sometimes we try to bite off an elephant all the way at one time. And what God is desiring for us is to measure our days and to take it one day at a time and allow him to lead us and grow us. And with that, I'm extremely excited to see what you look like in a year from now. I'm extremely excited to see what you look like after you take this step of just allowing him to work through you in a very measured way. So as you're walking through this, let's let's just talk about what this year will look like. We're talking about emancipating greatness, and I just want to kind of give a quick look back and a quick review of what we're doing. So don't clock out right now, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? Yes, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And we want to make sure that we're hearing and rehearsing this Word so that the Lord can actually get it deep down in our spirit. So here it is. As we're talking about emancipating greatness, what this means and what we've said is that emancipating greatness is a liberating a freeing, a sparking up of the things that God put on the inside of us. It's us really coming to measure and coming to understand what he's put inside of all of us, that he's put something great on the inside of you, not just for the preacher, not just for this person over here, but for you so that he can get it all the way out. And as we understand that, here it is. I want to say it like this. There's another you on the inside of you that God wants to introduce you to. Let me say it for this side of the room over here because some of us, we've been kind of downtrodden with another word from someone other than God. And what I'm here to tell you in this room and those who are worshiping with us online is that God is saying, I want to reintroduce you to yourself. But not the self that actually, you know, is walking around after the abuse has been given to you. Not the you that someone actually said you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. The Bible says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I ordained you. I sanctified you to be a prophet to the nations. And what I'm here to just echo from the Spirit of the Lord is that there are some things that you started to believe that God didn't say. And so as we're talking about emancipating greatness, I want to wake you up to your real self. I want you to be introduced to the reflection of the image of God. And what I don't want you to do, I don't want you to hear this message as, oh, this is just another hype message. Oh, this is someone trying to get me to do something. Because quite the contrary, we're going to talk about what we actually are going to do. And it's more about being than it's about doing. So as we're walking through this, let's get this review. If God is saying, let me reintroduce you to you. I want to let you know this. I want you to make this personal because as we walk through this, the first scripture that I want to be coming out of your ears, I want you to wake up, wake up in the middle of the night saying these two scriptures and you will get this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we've been talking about this. It says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I want you to make this personal. I want you to say, God Come on, talk to me. God, God he, uniquely me he uniquely made me in His image. Come on, say it with your chest. Say, God, God he, uniquely he uniquely made me in His image. It say it like this. Say, I'm special. I'm special. Say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Say, I'm God gifted and I'm in His image. God-gifted. Come on, somebody's not convinced. Say, I'm anointed. I'm, I'm God gifted. I'm in his image. And he made me just like that. Somebody needs to celebrate that in the room right now. Come on. Somebody's been telling you you weren't enough but God has said, I made you in my image and in my light. And see, I, I didn't come in here to preach to y'all today. But y'all already getting me hyping in here. As we look at this, here it is. The reason why it's so important for us to grab Genesis 127 because in the very next verse, what we see is that God not only gave us an assignment, he gave us a privilege. God not only gave us an assignment, he gave us a privilege. What's the assignment? The Bible says God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. See, when we see this, we see that as our assignment. It means we should have dominion. We should have authority. We don't walk around like people that have no hope. But we walk around with strength, with authority, with power. See, even here lately, as I've been confessing things over our son to come in June, every day what I say to my wife and as I speak into uh, her womb, speaking to Maximus, I say, you're coming forth with power, with strength and authority. I say, you're coming forth with power, strength, and authority. And I caught myself the other day because I said, hey, you're going to hear this for the rest of your life every day because I'm not going to wait for him to come out of the womb for somebody to tell him something different than who he is. So as I said that we have an assignment, we also have a privilege. What's that privilege? The privilege is that it has always been God's desire to partner with us in operating in this earth. That's a privilege. See, I need to maybe make this a little bit more natural because some of us sometimes can't connect the spirit with the natural. The Lord kind of just gives me little different examples. You know, it may not be good to anybody else, but it's good to me. When I thought about this fact that we have a privilege in this, I thought about the fact that it's like me showing up for a pickup basketball game. And when I show up for that pickup basketball game, I look over and I see LeBron James walk on the court. And when I see LeBron James walking on the court, I could either get real happy or I could get real sad. Depending on if he picks me or not would actually determine how I feel. So when I look at this and I see that God has given us this privilege that he wants to partner with us, what I see is an example of like LeBron looking around and you know how you do. You start acting like you know what you're doing. You start stretching a little bit. And I see this thing and I see this picture of him picking me to be on his team. And so when he picks me to be on his team, there's a different level of confidence that comes on me. Before, even if I knew I hadn't shot a basketball in five months, I'm saying I'm winning today. <laughs> and so what I'm saying to us, even though that might be funny, I want you to look at, if you can grab that picture in the natural, that you can look at a man, someone who's a superstar in, the, in man's eye, how much more can we look at God saying, hey, I picked you. I ordained you. I chose you out of all the people to come alongside of me and rule in the earth. See, when I look at that, what I see is I see that God wants to partner with us to allow his glory to come in the earth. He wants to partner with us to see his fame distributed in the earth. I like to say it like this. He wants to partner with us to extend his vibe in the earth. Somebody know what I'm talking about. You know, we want to make sure we're partnering with God so that everywhere we show up, what happens is that people start to look at us and say, how can I have what you have? How can I serve the one that you serve? You're not walking around defeated like everybody else. There's something different on your countenance. So as we look at this, let's not take that for granted that God has said, I want to partner with you in the earth. I don't want you operating around here as you have no hope. So as we look at that, Genesis 1:27, it talks about us being in his image. Genesis 1:28, it talks about us partnering with God. But what we do know happened is in Genesis 3, someone, this this lowly little person, the devil, tried to come in and change and shake some things up. He introduced a non-truth to Adam and Eve. He introduced the fact to them and said, hey, you can do this thing without God. You can actually be in his image without him. But what I'm excited about is, I said this last week, that after sin came into the world and after Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, what I'm glad about is that Jesus came into the earth. I said it like this last week. I said, thank God for Jesus. Can somebody say that? Thank God for Jesus. Come on, one more time. Thank God for Jesus. Jesus. We thank God for Jesus because what happened is that Jesus came into the earth, not just to forgive us of our sins, but to bring us back into our rightful place. He came into the earth to remake us, to remix us back into his image as a light bearer in the earth. And what we know, if you've heard this scripture before, in John 10:10, the Bible says, the enemy only comes in, the devil only comes in to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. You got a good Bible class in here. But what I love is that it didn't stop right there. I love that it goes on to say, Jesus says, but I have come. I have showed up on the scene. I have entered into the picture to give you life, and not just life, but to give you life to the fullest. I'm getting excited up here by myself. See, I don't already preached this once, but now God is actually speaking some other things to me. God said through Jesus, I didn't just come so that you can be this person that says my sins are forgiven. Yes, that's super important. But what I believe is that more believers, more disciples need to grab the fact that it didn't stop there, that he really wants us to really receive all that he has for us from the time we gave our lives to Christ until the time we go to meet God. But what happens is that so many people stop after they give their lives to Christ thinking that's all that was in this Christian thing. And so I want us to understand that it's more than just saying a sinner's prayer, It's about us walking fully alive. How many people want to walk fully alive? Come on, everybody's hands in here should go up. We want to walk fully alive in the things of Christ. So here it is. Last week, we redefined greatness. We redefined greatness. Because we started this series talking about emancipating greatness. The second week, we said we're redefining greatness. And today, what we're doing is we're preparing for greatness, We're preparing for greatness. Now, some of y'all are like, when y'all gonna give me the points of how I'm gonna rule and reign? Slow down. Here it is. We gave this working definition last week about greatness. And if you weren't here, I need you to write this down because this not only is for this series, but this is for the rest of this year at least. Our working definition for greatness is greatness is living confident in who God made me to be using the unique gifts he put in me for his glory around me. I need you to say this with me. I need you to repeat after me and get it in your spirit. Say it with me. Greatness is living confident in who God made me to be using the unique gifts he put in me for his glory around me. Now, some of y'all think I don't know what you're doing. You know, because you have those masks on, you're kind of just like... (laughs) Everybody in here didn't say that. See, I need all of us to get it in our spirit because I'm concerned about the whole I said this the first week of the year. This is a year where no one is going to get left behind. Even if you don't feel it right now, I just need you to be obedient right now to the pastor. Let's say this together. I need you to say it with your chest and get this deep in your spirit. I need to see air coming through your mask right now. Let's say it together. Greatness is living confident in who God made me to be, using the unique gifts he put in me for his glory around me. That's what I'm talking about. See, something kind of shifts in you when you say that versus just hearing it. And as we understand that, we want to take this understanding of greatness and grow in it and then reproduce it like God assigned us to do. What we have to do is we have to kind of take a moment. We have to wait for a minute. Somebody do this with your hands if you can. Just say slow down. Slow down. Pump the brakes. The reason I'm saying this is because we all live in a world that's very production focused. We all live in a world that when you show up, someone's always trying to get what you have in your hands instead of really seeing what's in your heart. We live in a world that when people look at you, what they're really doing is analyzing what can you do for me? But what if, as a body of Christ, that we took time to not just jump out there and say we're gonna do these things and we're gonna reproduce and we're gonna give somebody this, what if we took a moment to slow down and assess our health? See, I know that's a little different. See, a lot of times when you come to churches and when you go to certain places, you know, people want to start, start off and get you running at the beginning of the year. They want to get you excited. They want to speak to your emotions. They want to speak to your head. I want to speak to your heart today. God wants to speak to your heart today. Because the reality is if we don't slow down and take an assessment of our heart, what we'll do is we'll find ourselves, I said it last week, we'll find ourselves in a place For the blessing of the Lord has put us, but our character can't keep us. And that's not what I want for you. When I pray for you, when my wife and I, we pray for you, we pray that we will get this, that we will go deep in our understanding so God can allow us to walk high in the spirit. So I need you just to be patient with me today. I need you to just kind of take any expectations off of what you had when you came to church today. And I need you to allow the Lord to minister to your heart and your spirit in this moment. So here it is, as we're talking about waiting and slowing down, I know that's counterproductive in the world we live in, but I want to share with you a principle that the Lord has given us. See, the Bible is full of principles that we should follow and that it allows us to walk in the truth of what he has. And this principle that I want to give you today is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. And this is a principle about reproduction. Reproduction. Now I'm reading from the ESV version. If you're following by you version, you'll have that version, but whatever version you get, I want you to follow along, and I want to see if you can catch this principle that's hidden in this scripture. In Genesis chapter one, verse 11, it says, "And God said, "Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding what? And fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is what? Each according to its kind, on the earth, and so it was." I want to read that one more time because we need to grab that. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, and which is their seed. Here's the very important part. Each according to its kind. See, over 10 times in Genesis 1, the Bible talks about reproduction. It talks about that the seed reproduces after its own kind. And what that simply means is just like in the natural, if you plant rice or plant quinoa, you're not going to get apples from the harvest. If a dog gets pregnant, when it, when it has its children, it's not going to have a litter full of cats. As a matter of fact, some of you in the room, you may have children, and when people look at your children, they look at them and say, you couldn't deny them if you wanted to. Some of y'all want to deny your children when they start acting up. But you say, you couldn't deny them if you wanted to. I'm even seeing this in my own life. As we're looking forward to, with great anticipation, bringing our child into this world in June, what we're excited about is that just last week we had an ultrasound. We were able to see little Maximus for the first time kind of starting to see his characteristics and start to see him move. And what I see, even as I look at this, this principle of the seed reproducing after its own kind, I'm seeing it also. Because when we saw this ultrasound, we're all excited. And when we looked at it, Maximus was doing something. And they looked at it like, what is he doing? They took the picture. They put it real close because I couldn't go into the room. I had to FaceTime with my wife. But Maximus was sitting in there like this. <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking. Maximus was sitting in there like this. I said, look at him, stunting like his daddy. <laughs> See, already in the womb, my seed is reproducing after its own kind. Yeah, I know it's funny, but I'm I'm sitting here taking it like, come on. I already called him strong. I said that he's walking in authority, and I said he's walking in power. And I think I got a little commercial brought to you by Jesus Christ. Some of you have been waiting for something to show up, and you need to start speaking the word over it. See, that's not in my notes, but that's for you right here in this room. Some of you have been waiting and allowing life to come at you, and God is saying you have the breath of life in your mouth. You need to start declaring those things that be not as though they are. You need to start saying that I am not downtrodden. I'm the head and not the tail above and never beneath. Somebody needs to give God praise for that right now. See, when we look at this, What I'm excited about is that as we really take on this posture of understanding that seed reproduces after its own kind, what we understand is that as we look at this principle, there are things that we get from it. So as we look at this, understand this. While you might want something, uh, some other kind of product to come from what you're doing, it's not about what you say, but it's about really what you do. Write this principle down. You can teach what you know but you reproduce who you are. You can teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. I'm going to preach it like I feel it. See, even last week, while uh, some of our team, they were at Norcross and we were having the seven days of fasting and prayer, Justin Boyd, our children's director, somebody say thank God for Justin Boyd and Victory Kids. Can you clap it up? Justin Boyd and Erskine Johnson, who you saw up here on the platform, they were leading there at Norcross. And what happened is that as I was watching, I'm watching them, and I'm seeing them step into some things and pray in a way that has this authority on them. And what I said is that, man, I hadn't even wrote, written this message yet. I said, seed is reproducing after its own kind. What do I mean? Because they have yielded, and I'm their shepherd, I'm their pastor here. When they see me step up and pray, I don't pray like I have no hope. I don't pray like, Lord, if you will. I say, Lord, your word already says this, so I know we need to match up with what your word says. So when they stepped up on the platform and started to pray with authority, what's happening is that it's not just a physical principle that you actually reproduce after your own kind. You reproduce after your own kind even in the spirit. So what I'm saying to you, you might not have people that you're pastoring, but you have people that you're influencing. And here it is. If you're a person of faith, you actually reproduce faith in the people that are around you. If you're a person of joy, you reproduce joy with the people around you. If you're a person that loves everybody, even when they don't deserve it, the people around you will start to take on that spiritual DNA. But let me tell you, it works the same way in reverse. If you're a person that walks in prejudice, people around you are gonna be influenced by that prejudice. If you're a person that walks in fear all the time, people around you are going to walk in that fear. And if you're a person that walks in unforgiveness, you will notice that the people around you, they're birds of a feather flocking together. So after we look at this, I want you to write this principle down. I've said it about three times, but just in case you didn't catch it, write it down. A seed reproduces after its own kind. I'm purposely taking my time to make sure we get this because I don't want to hype you. I want to make sure you get this deep down in your spirit. So I say all of this because before you can reproduce, we want to be healthy. Before we can reproduce something, we want to make sure that there's health there. And this journey of emancipating greatness is not just about reproducing. It's about us reproducing healthy fruit. Healthy fruit. So that when it's time for us to walk this thing out, we're not just sitting here reproducing a whole bunch of mess. See, what we're doing, what we've decided as a church, as your leadership, we've said we're going to do something that, again, is counterintuitive and for some would say counterproductive. And we're going to slow down and we're going to take this entire year of 2021 and get healthy. What would it look like if you had a church full of people that were healthy? What would it look like if every time you turned around, you weren't reacting based off a flesh wound? What would it look like that if somebody started to tell you truth, that you didn't rebuke them in the name of the devil, but you accepted them because you knew that it was coming from God and it was for your good? So as we look at this, I want us to understand very soberly that this is a process. See, when Kendra and I, when we started our family planning and we were excited about it, what happened is last year, January, she started to get ready for what we're birthing in this season. She started taking prenatal vitamins last year. She started to work out differently last year to make sure that she was ready now. But what happens is that so many people want to jump out there and do something different. And what we're saying is like, hey, slow down. Do this with me if you can. Say, slow down. One more time, slow down. You're going to hear me in your sleep this week saying, slow down. So as we're focusing on health, and I realize this is a different concept because so many of us want to produce now. So many of us want to run out there now. What I want want us to grab is that if we're talking about getting healthy, we're talking about growing this seed so that we can grow and reproduce these components of greatness that we're talking about. So as we look at this, here it is. There is a critical component that makes or breaks this possibility of us being healthy. There's a critical component that will make or break if we will be able to really emancipate this greatness. And so as we've been saying that God has placed seeds of greatness in us, There is this thing that we need to deal with, and here it is. It's the soil. It's the soil. You can have great seeds, but if you put it in bad soil, it won't reap a harvest. So as we're looking at this, the soil that we're talking about, write this down, it's our hearts, it's our mindsets, and it's us understanding what you and I have to do to make sure that these seeds of greatness actually spring up in the right way. So here it is. I want to talk for a moment, just for a few moments, about the importance of the condition of our soul, the condition of our hearts, the condition of our minds as we walk through this. Because write this statement down. Come on, if you're taking notes, I want you to take notes. Write this down. The condition of the soil determines the result of the harvest. Come on, write that down. Some of y'all, they say a short pencil is better than a long memory. The condition of the soil determines the result of the harvest. So as I talk through quickly this principle, here it is. I want to walk us through this parable that Jesus gave us. And a parable, if you don't know what it is, a parable is when Jesus actually tells us a principle. He tells us a story where he's talking about one thing, but it actually has a different meaning that he really wants us to see that's deeper. So in Matthew chapter 13, turn to Matthew chapter 13. I love this because Jesus starts off this particular parable by saying, listen. Now, the reason why that's important is because listen in the Greek, it's edu, edu. And what that is, it means behold, take note, open your eyes. What this was for anybody that's been around here for Victory Midtown longer than a week, this is Jesus' lean in. This is Jesus saying, lean in. He's saying, adieu, listen to this. I really need you to get this. So Jesus says this. He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen, should lean in and understand. See, in this particular parable, what we're seeing is that the farmers, they were doing at this time what was called broadcast sowing broadcast sowing. What broadcast sowing was, was when the person, the farmer would go around, they would get a bag of seed and put it over their shoulder. And then putting that bag of seed over their shoulder, they would open it up and they would take one hand and just start reaching in there and scattering it out. They would start throwing the seed out. See, what I want you to know is that every Sunday when I come in here, I put the bag, the seed of the word on my shoulder and I'm throwing it out on this side of the room. I'm throwing it on this side of the room. I'm throwing it in the middle. I'm throwing it over here. And what the farmer was doing is that as he was walking, what was happening is that even though he was able to direct some of the seeds in intentional places, there was also seed that was falling in different places that he didn't plan. But what happens is that what we need to understand is that all the seed was good. But depending on where it fell, it actually yielded a different type of result. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. But what happens is that sometimes it hits different spots. Y'all know what they say. They, that, that hit a little different. In some spots we receive it and in some spots we don't. And so as we look at this, we know that the seed absolutely went out. As he broadcast it, it's like even today. We broadcast seed on IG. We broadcast seed on YouTube. We broadcast seed on Facebook. But will it fall in the right place? So now that Jesus had their attention and these farmers were like, okay, what does this look like? What does this mean to really walk in this parable of the seed and the sower? Jesus takes it a little further. He says this in verse 18. Follow me. He says, now listen. So again, he's saying, I really need you to lean into this. Because if you don't get this, you're going to miss the very crux of what I'm talking about. He says, now listen to this explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. He says the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted." So before you act like you already know the end of this story, I want you to really lean into this and think about this for a second. Jesus was now saying, okay, do you see this? And while he was talking about seed, yes, he was talking about the seed of salvation, but he not only was talking about the seed of salvation, he was really talking about the seed of the message of the kingdom. The seed of the message of the kingdom says, yes, we need to confess our sins and confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. But the other part of that seed of the kingdom is that we are to walk in dominion, that we are to walk in power, that we are to walk in authority. And as we understand this, what we see is that there's a bigger picture that he's trying to get us to see. I like to say it like this. If God's thought was that all he wanted us to do in the body of Christ is to get saved, what I would do is I would actually take on two vocations. I would say, okay, I'm going to be a pastor and then I'm going to be a funeral director. Some of y'all are like, oh, what are you talking about? If the only reason we were to come into relationship with Christ is so that we can have fire insurance. So that we can know that we're going to heaven and we're not going to hell. If that was the only reason, what I would do is I would say I would lead you to Christ and then I would do your funeral. What I'm saying is that a lot of times what happens is that we give our lives to Christ. We say, yes, Jesus, we love you. But then we don't do anything of substance until we die and leave this earth. And what God is saying is that the message of the kingdom is not just about you getting saved. The message of the kingdom is not just about you not doing that wrong thing that you are trying to stop doing. The message of the kingdom is saying, will you be a light bearer for me? Will you be a representative of me? That when people see you, they want what you have because you have something that's greater than what they're walking in. The message of the kingdom makes us fully alive. So here it is. This parable is really about what type of heart do we have? What type of heart are we gonna put that seed in so that it can grow, so that God can emancipate this greatness through us? See, here it is. The soil, was actually the different conditions of our heart. The soil was the different conditions of our heart. So I want to just take a look at this really quickly to just kind of give us an understanding fully of what this looks like. I'm going to walk through this. Four types of heart in this passage. Number one is the footpath. This is where the person hears the message, but they don't understand it. This is also called in a lot of factions the wayside or the hardened heart. This is where people actually operate in selective Christianity. You know when the preacher says that one thing and they say, oh, no, that's not for me. That's for the people who've been saved for two years plus. That's when we start to decide, yes, I'll do that. No, I won't do that. But the reality is this is what I want us to know because I'm not bashing anybody. A lot of times a hard heart is really the result of a hurt heart. A lot of times, the reason why people's hearts are hardened is not because they just are deciding that they want to be rebellious. This says it's on the footpath, which means some of you in this room, some of you watching online, some of us have been trampled over. We've put our hearts on the line even at church. We've put our lives on the line even with people that we know. We've put ourselves out there and people mistreated us and they've made us hard. And here it is, the danger about walking around with a hard heart is that the principle says here that when you have that hard heart, the seed is waiting to be stolen. When you have that hard heart, the seed is waiting to be stolen. Let me say it like this. It's waiting to be stolen by the devil because what happens is that the devil knows the value of the seed even if you don't. The devil knows the value of the word of God even if you don't accept it. So while we're in here and sometimes we kind of turn off when we hear certain things, the devil is like, yeah, keep turning off. Keep turning off because I don't want you to walk in that truth. And what happens is that we need to make sure that we don't just keep that hard heart. Number two, the rocky type of soil. This is the person, this is the heart that hears the message, receive it, but they don't last. This is the person that you get excited that you're in church, that you're even nodding at me behind those masks. But when you get in the car, you nod and say, Lord, I can't do that. It sounded good when I was in the company of all the believers. Everybody had their hand lifted. We exalt Thee. Lord, I can't do it. We exalt Thee. God, you really know me, know me. This is that second type of heart. That what happens is that we say yes in the congregation, we're going to commit for a year. But then when things get a little tough and people start inviting you to brunch at 1130, you say, yeah, I'll come with you. (laughs) These are the same people that when you find yourself after coming to church, you find yourself relaxing a little too hard at at Bay's house. And then you're like, oops. What we need to understand is that we need to be those people who take it in. Not those people that can receive it. We receive the word of tithing in in the church, and then we go home and look at our books, we're like, Lord, you know my heart. (laughs) Yeah, he does know your heart. And here you confess. Yeah, the Lord rebuked the devourer for my sake. Pour out blessings that I have not room enough to receive. And you're like, Lord, I don't have room enough to give you anything. That's that second type of rocky heart. This is when it gets past your head, but it doesn't go in your heart. And then number three, it's the thorny heart. It's the thorny heart. This is the one that hears the message, knows its truth, but it gets crowded out. This is the one right here. This is the one that's actually the most dangerous out of all of them. Because this is the person that hears the word, that receives the word, that nods at me and also says amen, that's following by you, version, and you actually even save the message before you leave here. But here it is. The challenge is you save the message, but you don't pick it back up until the next Sunday. The reason why this is the most dangerous one is because you can look like you have a form of godliness, but you uh, deny the power therein. Where you're coming to church, you're doing all the right things, but nobody knows the real state of your heart but you. So as we look at this, here it is. We need to make sure that we're not looking spiritual, but that we're allowing the seed to actually germinate in the right place. And that just takes me to the fourth type of soil. Here it is, the good soil. This is the one that hears the message, that understands and produces a harvest. This is the one that takes the most trust and openness from God. What do I mean by that? This is where we actually listen and not just hear the word, where we're listening for transformation, where we're allowing it to actually root out certain things, where you give permission to spiritual leadership, to small group leaders, to people that are connected with you, to start to plow out those dead things, to start to bring out those weeds that actually might be choking out the word. But it takes trust. And as I was writing this message, the Lord just kind of prompted me and said, there are some people that are watching and worshiping online. There's some people that are in this room that made an inner vow that they said, I will never let somebody in spiritual authority have that much power over my life. There are some people in here that you've had some bad experiences that you know you should be doing more. You know that you should actually be listening to the word. But you say, I'm not going to be vulnerable enough to allow somebody to really till the ground of my heart. But God wants your heart to be that of good soil. That's why he's slowing us down. That's why he's not just trying to get something from your hand. He wants your heart right now. So here it is. As we look at this, this is the person that's receptive, teachable, open, fertile, and you're allowing the water of the word to wash you. But this is what I want you to do. Edu, lean in with me right quick. Lean in with me right quick. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Just follow the rest of the congregation. Lean in. I want to let you in on a secret. The secret is some of you in the room, as I started to go through the first ones, you clocked out because you were like, I already know which one I am. I'm the good soil. You know, I've been in church services where people say, hey, it's four of them. Which one are you? Of course, we pick. I'm the good soil. But here it is. This is what I really want us to know. Lean in a little bit more. Lean in. Each and every one of us have all four of those types of soil represented in our hearts. Each and every one of us, there are certain things that hit differently in other places. There are certain things that you will readily receive and you will praise Jesus and you'll shout and you'll run around. But there are other things that you cross your legs and say, that pastor ain't talking to me. And what we want to do as we're walking through this interrogative moment, we are saying, let's not just have selective good soil. Let's let the whole of our hearts be transformed into that good soil. Does anybody want the whole of your heart to be transformed into that good soil? I know it's tough, but God wants us to do it. So here it is. I believe that we can do that. I believe that God wants to do it, and I believe that God's given us a promise to do this. I want to read this scripture to us because this is how we're going to walk this thing out, and we're getting ready to get out of here together so that we can walk this word out. In Ezekiel chapter 11, there's a promise from God. In verse 19, he says this, I will give them one heart, a new heart, and put a new spirit within, within them. I'm gonna say that one more time I will give them one heart a new heart and put a new spirit within them I will take from them the heart of stone and will give them a heart of flesh here's the part that I want you to really hear and grab I'm gonna give them a heart that is responsive to my touch I want to give them a heart again that's responsive to my touch not a hard heart Not a rocky heart, not a thorny heart, not a heart that's protected with barbed wire and alarm systems, but a heart that will let me touch them again. A heart that will allow me to come in and say, I want to change you. I want to develop you. I want to heal you. Here it is. The great thing about this promise is that God is going to do the work. The great thing about this promise is that he wants to melt down the very icy parts of some of your hearts today. Because the healthier the soil of our hearts, the greater the seed of greatness can come out of us. But here it is. God is not going to violate your will. He's a gentleman. He wants to make sure that you want this relationship with him. But here is our role in all of this. Here's our role. Write these couple things down or just meditate on it. Our role in this whole thing is that we have to set our wills to follow him. We have to invite him in. We have to continually examine this soil together. And we have to yield to his work. We have to start to listen and seek and hear his voice. And we have to just keep saying yes, even when it hurts. Keep saying yes, even if it's something you're not used to walking in. So as I said already, God is calling all of us individually and corporately to a year of developing health, to slowing down, to going slow so that in the time when it's right, we can go fast. Because in 2022, he wants to use you. 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 you. And he wants to use you, and all of you watching online, he wants to use you to reproduce his greatness in the earth. But we're going to make sure we get healthy, Victory Midtown. We're going to make sure we invite the Lord in. So here it is. This whole parable, everything I talked about today, is the reason why I'm so passionate about pastoring, and I'm not just going to be a motivational speaker. I'm not going to be someone who just hypes you up. Because what I'm committed to is seeing those places where there was a hard heart. I want to see you walk through the whole process where your whole heart is a heart of good soil. So this is what I want to do as we get ready to close. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. We're going to take a moment to tell God and really just let him know very honestly some areas that our hearts need help in. And I want to read the scripture over you just to kind of let you know what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. This is the prayer that you pray even as you have your eyes closed and we go into this next moment. Psalm 139 verse 23, it says this, Lord, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, then guide me on the road to eternal life. As you take this moment, we're gonna worship just for a moment. I want you to really take this moment to be intentional. For some of you, the Lord is gonna start sharing certain things that you need to write down that you need to give to Him. He wants to start sharing some things to you that you actually need to give to Him so that your heart can have good soil. While we're in this moment, I want you to ask the Lord, where is my heart hard? Where is my heart rocky? And where is my heart covered by thorns? I want to pray for you, and then we're going to go in this moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, we as a people, as a body of believers, we commit and say we want the entirety of our hearts to be good soil. We want to be pliable, Father. We want to be healthy. And God, we desire, we do desire for the greatness that you have for us to come out of us today and forevermore. Lord Jesus, we commit to you and say you can have our hearts. And we ask today that as we give you our hearts, some of us in the room need to give you our hearts for the very first time. And so, Father, we invite you to allow your son Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior over our lives. Today we confess that we know that we can't do this on our own. We confess our sins and we say we repent, meaning that we turn away from the ways that we've been hard-hearted and that we've been doing things, and we open ourselves up to you and say change us and make us again. We commit our lives to you, and we commit to walking in the emancipation of the greatness that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.